Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, day two of Wimbledon is in the books and it is already yesterday because Wimbledon don't do night sessions. However, it is two minutes past midnight in tennis podcast hours and we are recording our day two podcast. But Wimbledon don't do night sessions. No, it's a remarkable sleight of hand they've managed there, isn't it? (laughs) You know, they've just sort of crept this one up on us without us knowing and then suddenly we were speculating we were reminiscing about how three years ago all of our podcasts were, were done under sort of nice fading light at about 8 p.m we got to watch the sunset as we recorded on henman hill yeah yeah they're letting the french open take all the flack all the heat <laughs> yeah with their cold night sessions and they've just snuck their own in and yet you still can't finish the matches because there's a curfew of 10.59pm. Yeah, Karolina Pliskova wandered out into court number one. Karolina Pliskova got thrust into a night session that she was not advertised to her and yet still didn't get to finish her match. Not allowed to finish whether she likes it or not. Um, I know we're being grumpy about it. Look, we, we loved our evening of watching tennis under the centre court roof tonight, under the lights. Yeah. And we will be leading with the story of Serena Williams. However, I wish they would just say, night session, under the lights, centre court, Wimbledon. Don't, let's call a spade a spade, Wimbledon, shall we? And let's try and negotiate this curfew away. Although maybe we shouldn't, maybe the fact that that it's guaranteed to finish at a reasonable hour. I don't know. I don't know. It's not a debate for now, because the debate for now that we're all going to have is whether we all have just watched Serena Williams play her final ever Wimbledon match. An epic, by the way. Three hours and 11 minutes, a defeat in the deciding set tiebreak to France's Harmony Tan, for whom it was an absolute dream come true tonight. Not a dream come true for Serena Williams. She fought, she battled, she she went to dark places and she dug deep. It wasn't enough. No, not not in not at the age she is, and with the lack of match play that she's had. And she she said as much, didn't she, in the press conference? And she said, "I would have needed to have." 
a runner matches in order to stamp out a few of those errors that you saw. Uh, I, I I only arrived in the third set when <laughs> I don't know whether this is me who's brought about bad uh, luck for her, but she she just reeled off the second set six one and was three one up in the third when I turned up. And then suddenly the score went the other way, and uh, and actually Catherine leant over and said, uh, you know, at no point have I really thought Serena's going to win this match. And she she got. I, sp- I spent the remainder of the match very anxious about that take. <laughs> I mean, I know it's you ended up aging well. You but. wanted her to win, I think, like we all did. But that was your gut feeling, and and actually, when she was match point down, was the first moment in the time I'd been there where the kind of execution matched the muscle memory of knowing what she's supposed to be doing to what she actually ended up executing and doing, which was to just step in and just destroy Harmony Tan for a a couple of points uh, to save the match point and turn the match around because she really turned it around and looked like she was going to win. I love the fact that the crowd responded to her the way I think, unless you're a home player, only a crowd can respond to a great champion when they're fading, when they're Mm. just trying to relive old glories and have one more moment and uh, and they they were acutely aware of what they were witnessing they were just grateful and glad to have serena williams there to support wholly wholeheartedly I, I, there was virtually i think every person in the stadium was on her side and cheering her every move and it it was i loved it actually because it hasn't always been that way she used to be so dominant and all the rest of it um and i'm glad she had that that moment but in in answer to your 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 initial question having been in the press conference my answer would be probably it's her last match and if you're going to push me I'd say yes it is at Wimbledon I think she will play something at the US Open but I think that that'll probably be it Mm. I I, I feel the same just uh, just in in terms of the tennis very quickly Harmony Tan Matt and I were making our way to to centre court to to well actually watch the tail end of Rafael Nadal that will come on to in due course but then also um stay on for for Serena Williams and uh Matt the intrepid Billie Jean King cup reporter has watched a lot more of Harmony Tan before today uh, than I had and I said what what's she all about this Harmony Tan and Matt said great hands he said the rest isn't fantastic, but great hands. And my goodness me, was that a take that aged well? Because her feel on the ball is just lovely. She's got, she's so underpowered from the baseline. It's almost throwback tennis. It really is. But then she throws in this slice forehand that seems like an aggressive weapon. It's... It's, it's almost passive aggressive. Yes. Because she, she sort of puts it in as if to say, I'm just going to do this now because yeah, I can. Yeah, and she she got Serena doing slice forehands. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was sort of weird and patchy, but quite good fun. Yeah, it's quite compelling. Such a high percentage of her shots are sliced, whether it be a forehand or the backhand. She mixes in a lot of drop shots as well. Um, as you said, she's extremely underpowered. There was one of her serves which was 62 miles an hour and it, it got the treatment it deserved from, from Serena Williams, just returned it straight for a winner. And yet she still manages to make it work. You know, she, she can hit angles. Um, occasionally she can flatten out the backhand down the line especially and she just kept Serena on her toes, I think, and 
mixed it up and made it made it awkward. And Serena actually said in the press conference, if I'd been playing a different opponent, I might have actually been able to win. I think I think the game style was awkward for Serena. It was something that she wouldn't have been able to prepare for at all. Um, and look, it, I still felt like the match was on Serena's racket because of her power and her serve and what she can do to Harmony Ten's serve if she was playing better. She just, she didn't have the form. But playing someone like Tan made it difficult kind of for her to find that form as well, even though she spent three hours on the court. I think there's this fundamental conflict in the brain of Serena Williams of... I do think that she recognises on some level, and there were comments in press tonight that more than suggested that pretty much outright admitted that she cannot just rock up and win Grand Slams anymore. She can't just rock up and even be competitive at Grand Slams anymore. She has she, look. She's never been a gym bunny, has she? She she plays herself into form and fitness via matches, and yes, she's already always played less than a lot of other top players but certainly latterly in her career she's she's needed matches to to play herself into form it's been a long time since she's been able to just rock up and yet I don't think she's prepared I don't think she has the will to get back out on tour and do that I think there's a a will to have these moments and to be competitive at the at the biggest events and there's obviously still the will for the the chase the margaret court chase but i don't think there's the will for what is necessary to to win her that race no and no, i'm not even convinced that physically she's up to that anymore i mean she's 40 years old it's it's not easy to be doing the tour when you're 40 and she's she won her first Grand Slam 23 years ago. You know, it's it's a different world for her now. And I think she did really well tonight. The bit I saw, now I didn't see all, all the match at all, but I, I, the fact that she, that was going over three hours and she was still in there and until the last few, last half a dozen points when she, she suddenly looked absolutely out of gas. Uh, and, that's, and that's really, because I mean, she was four love up in that time. But endurance-wise, it... Look, I, I thought movement-wise, it wasn't fantastic today. But endurance-wise, I was very impressed. Three hours and 11 minutes. And basically, you know, she she didn't lose that much because she faded physically. If anything, you know, she, the, the early stages of the match were the, were the poorest, I think, in terms of her performance. So that is a positive. Um, look, I think if if she were if she were. Pre- prepared to you know do the grind and you know do a bit of an Andy Murray and win first rounds and lose second rounds for a bit and go away and re regroup and come back and take all that on the chin and yet still believe then maybe I could still believe as well but I I think she's made differently yes I think you're right and I kind of went on a bit of a journey with my emotions in this match about how I felt about it because to begin with I did have that line in her pre-tournament press conference about you know the answer to what her expect not expectations but what she would sort of ultimately be satisfied with at this tournament and that of course is winning and when we saw her 
really far from her best in, in, in the opening stages in particular, as you've referenced, I kind of did start to think, well, you haven't done the work to be able mm. to win this tournament. So sort of not why are you here, but there was a sort of juxtaposition, I suppose, between what she'd said was her goal and what she was capable of. And yet as the match went on, I just came to realise that I need to stop thinking about Serena Williams in terms of being remotely competitive to win Wimbledon and just appreciate this match for what it is. And I almost felt like she went on that journey as well during the match. And it it just became about having another Serena Williams match at Wimbledon on centre court, which I didn't think we were ever going to get again. And how incredible it was just to see her out there again, fighting, competing, and how much it meant to her when she's already won 23 Grand Slam. She's playing Harmony Tan, and she wants to win so desperately, and she's on her knees, fist-pumping, and all of that was just kind of incredible to witness. And as a as a spectator, it was it was kind of still a bit jarring because we're so used to seeing Serena Williams and the whole match being about her upper limits and how far can she push herself. And this this was a match about her limitations and what can she still do and is it still enough? And yeah, normally we would expect her to have that mental toughness in the final stages to not drop serve when she's serving for it, not lose the final set tie break from four love up. And yet, you know the ending we got was kind of the one that was necessary for the moment, you know, given the place in her career that Serena's in. It's it's not possible for her to compete at the very, very highest level with without any matches anymore. And yes, that's kind of sad, but... It's life, isn't it? It's mm. life. It is. I'm very grateful to you for that monologue, Matt, because it's really helped me process the um, the very broad range of emotions that I experienced during the course of that match, as well. Which which I now realise are very similar to to the ones you were experiencing. But I was struggling to process them because there were there were moments, particularly in the early stages, where I, I didn't feel angry, but I felt felt quite uncomfortable watching, and I felt I felt like it was almost disrespectful to the sport to to think that you can just rock up and be competitive at a grand slam as you say Matt without doing the work it's disrespectful to the likes of Harmony Tan you know but actually no I I I I think that feeling was was misguided and yeah everything that Matt just said it was about the moment and the match and I hope that ends up being enough for her as a final Wimbledon memory. Because, well, you know, as she admitted to, to Chris Clary pretty much in her pre-tournament press, a big motivation for being here was to not have 2021's ending be her final moment. And it was a heck of a send-off. You know, it was, mm. it was 100% appreciation from that crowd. And it was reciprocated, I think, from, from Serena Williams. Uh I found that the the final answer in the press comments quite interesting because she was asked about the U.S. Open and the 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 temptation to go there and and have that experience in front of her her own fans uh, in New York and she suddenly really opened up about what it meant to her because she won it twenty three years ago and, I, and my 
conclusion, whilst she was very careful not to close any doors on her career in that press conference, she was asked outright, do you think you'll be here next year? And she says, don't know. Basically, who knows? Um, and I, I accept that because how can, how can you kind of pledge you will come back when, and when you, you can't know how you'll be physically and all the rest of it? But I, I actually think in her mind she sees the US Open as the, the final mm. curtain. I, I think so too. I think so too. And a great way to do it, I would have thought. Incidentally, the, um, the, I'm mostly joking here, but uh, the sign-in deadline for the mixed doubles isn't till Friday, I don't think. And Sister Venus, who is in town and was in, in the Serena Williams player box for the match this evening, has signed up to play with Jamie Murray. So he's taken. <laughs> I but... love that a Williams sister will have partnered a Murray brother. Yes. And a different Williams sister will have partnered a different Murray mm. brother. I think that's fantastic. Will Javenus? <laughs> no, no, no. No, it was a stab in the dark. Will they fare better than Sarandi did? Didn't like that nickname either. Oh, Sarandi's a great name. Didn't you come up with that? Of course I did. Why do I think it's great? (laughs) (laughs) Will they fare better? Answer my question. What did Sarandi do? They won a couple of rounds? I think Jamie and Venus are going to be really good. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to be great. I don't know what their results are. I think be. they're going to get to the semi-finals. Oh, okay. okay. Wow. Do you think any chance Serena will sign up for mixed? No. Okay. Glad I brought it I up I think then. she'll be watching Venus. Oh. Well, that will be absolutely lovely. Like I'm Venus was watching totally Serena. totally here for that. Okay, so we've retired Serena Williams from Wimbledon. Um, that happened very late this evening, or yesterday evening, I should say. The day started on a real note of heartbreak, um, just before play got underway with the news that Matteo Berrettini, in most people's mix for the title this year, on a extraordinary grass court run having won Stuttgart and Queens only lost to Novak Djokovic on grass since June of last year and that was in the Wimbledon final has got Covid and has had to withdraw from the tournament just ahead of his first round match and he described himself as heartbroken and we've seen heartbroken Matteo Berrettini and it's it's a really tough watch we I my mind immediately went back to that press conference he gave in Turin when he was forced to uh, to pull out of his home tournament there and just... The, <laughs> I think Italians emote very well, don't they? And, um, oh, the thought of sad Matteo Berrettini in his Wimbledon house self-isolating really made me feel down this morning, actually, because... Look, we all we all expect him to be back and to play great grass court tennis again, to have plenty more seasons of this. But it is not a given that he'll ever be in this kind of form yeah. again. And certainly not with his injury record that he's piling up. I mean, Matt declared shortly after receiving this news. Well, some players are just cursed, aren't they? <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Who else is cursed, Matt? Carolina Mukova might be cursed. Oh, I don't know. He's he's missed. Can we, can we lift the curse? How do you lift curses? 
Barry Fry, the Birmingham City manager, once went and urinated in all four corners of the uh, the football pitch that his team played on because he was convinced that was how you lift a curse, and he thought there was a curse on his team. Well, that well, might he be just, sounds that's just a mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? Um, no, but I mean, I'm not, no, I'm not advocating that Matteo or anybody Matt, around Matt, him. Matt, uh, carry on, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, just as you pointed out, he had to retire mid-match in Turin he had to miss the whole of the clay court season this year which of course includes Rome where you know he's the number one Italian at the moment you know that would be amazing place for him to play he's had to pull out of a match um, at the Australian Open in the past just he's he's had a lot of injuries Um, and this this is particularly bad luck because as you say he you don't know how many times somebody's going to be able to contend and, and be in that kind of form at the right time and, and everything else. Yeah. And he's just he just seems like a good guy. Mm. It's such a mm. shame. So that's Marin Cilic, also out with COVID. Matteo Berrettini out of Rafael Nadal's half of the draw. Now, it's possible that it's not right to be calling it Rafael Nadal's half of the draw, given how threatened he was today by Francisco Sorangelo looked very much in trouble for a good portion of that match. But he's Rafael Nadal and he's on for the calendar slam. So we're going to call it Rafael Nadal's half of the draw. And goodness me, it was great seeing him back at Wimbledon today, wasn't it? It really was, yeah. And he said that he's not even stepped on a grass court since the last time he was at Wimbledon in 2019. And... I mean, we got on to centre court, as you said earlier, Catherine, when he was looking like he was in real trouble, like it could go to a fifth set. It was a breakdown in the fourth. We rocked up and he won 11 points in a row. And it was kind mm. of like, I don't know what everyone's been worrying about. We rocked up. Matt sat down and said, well, I haven't I haven't seen Nadal lose all year. So it's not going to happen today. <laughs> no, Lo right. and behold. Matt, Matt with the takes today. <laughs> mm. He suddenly just had this real intensity about him, didn't he? That he wanted to finish the match there and then. And, and that's exactly what he did. His press conference was quite interesting. He really praised Sarundolo, who even in those first two sets, which Nadal won, which I watched, Sarundolo pr- played really well and had Nadal on the back foot quite a lot. His backhand stood up brilliantly. Nadal was really targeting it, but it, it was not breaking down like I thought it would. I think like Nadal thought it would. And then he just talked about the conditions being tricky. It was windy today. Um, The ball was very heavy. He just wasn't having the impact that he likes. But he said in his press conference, every day I survive, the better I can play. And that's basically been the motto of his entire season, hasn't it? Certainly it was at the Australian Open. Just every round you just felt like he was... There's just something about Nadal that he might go on to win the tournament. So as long as he just keeps making his way through, I think we're absolutely right to call it his half. It's And also, Felix Ojealiasim has gone out today mm. in his half. He's had a great day, Nadal, in terms of contenders dropping from his, his half. Who did Ojealiasim go out to, David? Obviously, Maxim Chrissy, <laughs> mm. who I haven't picked to do anything this tournament. For the first time all Future year. Future world number one on grass with that serve and that game. Yes, I've had a Beatrice had admire kind of tournament so far <laughs> and it's continuing. He played bloody well. He really did. Of it he turns did. out he's got a great backhand. <laughs> got great everything. Only faced one break point, uh, won the 
tie breaks in the third and fourth set. I thought Felix played really well. Honestly, I did. I don't, I didn't horrible think draw it's a him. horrible draw. Um, I, I thought he might get through it and it would be a match which would really toughen him up and make him really dangerous later in the tournament. But just couldn't get past Cressy, who was the word Felix used to describe Cressy was courageous in oh, all really? the big moments. He said he just he's went for it a bit more than I did and pulled it off. And on fair his, play to on him. his first match point, Matt and I were watching it on Matt's phone in the media seats on Centre Court while watching, was it Nadal or Serena at that point? Uh, I think it was Serena. Um, And Matt sort of got my attention every time a big point came up and it got to Cressy's first match point and he went for the most baller forehand uh, down the line (laughs) return. Was it return or was it that, yeah, return? And it was, it was, I mean, it was too much, but I loved that he went for that. It was um, not a percentage shot, put it that way. What what he's got is what the great serve and volleyers of the 90s had uh, and 80s. And look, I'm not saying he's as good as they are or were, but he has a similar mentality of, I'm just coming. I'm just coming Mm. in. You're going to have to deal with it. And imagine the mental strain on a player whose business is at the back of the court trying to pass and lob and find a way through that because it's always going to be there. He's he's always going to be six foot seven or whatever he is. He's always going to have this massive wingspan. He's always going to be at the net coming in behind a massive serve or a, or a blasted ground stroke. That must really weigh on you mentally, be tiring to mm. deal with. Even mm. if you pass him three times, he's coming a fourth and a fifth and a sixth. You better be on it for however long it takes. And some players can do it i i actually thought felix might might be a good enough returner to do it but then i changed my mind and then it was too late because i'd already said that cressy wouldn't do anything in this tournament and i was fuming he's got his notes that he reads at the change change of ends doesn't he cressy not me yeah. his um yeah he rests them on his mm, on his leg on his very spindly leg <laughs> Um, I'd love to know what's in them. Did we? I think I asked him what's in his you notes did, in, in Australia. Australia, and he said something vague about sort of tactics. You are a future world number one, Maxime. You are. I think it is that the gist of that the, is just keep reminding yourself how good you are. You just got to keep going forwards. Great. Be more Maxime Cressy, everyone. Uh, staying with the men's draw for a moment, seeing as we're there, the Nick Kyrgios Circus is in town, folks. Roll up, roll up. Um, he beat Paul Job in five sets today. Um, Paul Job on the fourth to take it into a fifth. I have to say, I, I, you know, just on the tennis, didn't see much of that fifth set. I'm impressed that Kyrgios won it because I thought that he would capitulate or implode in that fifth set just out of sheer irritation at being in a fifth set at all um, against someone of... Paul Jobs stature in the game. Well, I mean, Paul Jobb taking Nick Kyrgios to five sets at Wimbledon. He must be a, what, top 10, top 15 player on grass? Mm, minimum. Minimum. Minimum, I would say. Uh, it was, as I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear, uh, quite an eventful press conference. It was well attended, folks. Highlights? <laughs> um well, look, uh, sort of goes goes without saying that there was aggro with the umpire during the match. There was aggro with members of the crowd who Kyrgios 
thought were being disrespectful. There was aggro with with line judges. There was there was multitudinous aggro ag- from from Nick Kyrgios, and he he there was a there was so much muttering under his breath. It was difficult to to make sense of it all during the match. Um, but it sounded like he had made some sort of reference to Maria Cicak in the chair about. Um, racist abuse in the crowd and that was the f- the first question that he was asked were you racially abused today from the crowd and he said no I wasn't I just have been in the past and he was talking about the Stuttgart incident so that's obviously still in his mind and you know why wouldn't it be that's horrific um, and then there ensued a, a sort of general exchange about why Nick Kyrgios was so het up particularly with with members of the crowd today and Kyrgios started talking about how disrespectful they were. Then he sort of bled into talking about the messages he receives on social media and how horrific they are. Um, And he had some important things to say about that. It does sound horrific. Tennis has a problem. The world has a problem with policing social media. Tennis players shouldn't have, have to endure that nor should, nor should anyone. It's awful. And it it really upsets me that he sort of can't just make that point logically and sort of leave it there or let it lead to somewhere logical or interesting or productive. Because what he actually does is sort of make that point and then in his head pretty much use it to justify it any behavior both on the court and in the press room afterwards he's got this distorted logic that umpires and line judges are responsible for his online abuse because they make bad calls that determine the outcome of his matches negatively and then he receives online abuse for losing tennis matches i mean i'm not even going to go into the all the ways in which that logic is stupid but you know that has real real consequences he's very dismissive of of any consequences there might be for line judges and umpires he says they're not getting the online abuse that i'm getting when when they do badly at their job and you know i asked him do do you know that have you ever spoken to an umpire or a line judge about their experience of of their job and what it's like and try to understand things from their side and and he said no no but of course you know of course they're not getting what i'm getting and i'm not but they have their own experience and this your experience is not justification for you behaving however you damn well like which is appallingly and today wasn't even you know one of his one of his worst yeah they're very difficult nick Kyrgios press conferences like that aren't they because as you said he is bringing up important topics mm. and he is prepared to and that's that's great that's what we want that's important it's important that players are prepared to do that and yet in a way he's almost the worst person to have that conversation with because he's so inflexible and so sort of tunnel visioned about how he sees something and it's all about his own experience he doesn't put himself in someone else's shoes or think about anything else other than what he's experienced and it just makes it a completely almost pointless back and forth Mm. between the journalists and him because no one's getting anywhere, um, even though it's good that he's brought up the topic in the first place. So it's kind of, I don't know, it just leaves you 
a bit confused, I think, mm. afterwards. Incredi- incredibly frustrating and increasingly unable un- or unwilling to to view the world beyond beyond his own eyes. But he, as you say, shone a light on a very important issue, played some really great tennis, entertained the crowd. It's not all bad. It's just I wish a lot of the bad weren't there. Um, Jack Draper won today in straight sets over Zizi Bergs, the Ilkley Challenger champion. That uh, that win earned him a wild card at Wimbledon. I um, I sort of love that Jack Draper, you know, won straight sets. No big fanfare because he's good and we know he's good. And yeah, he should be winning first rounds at Wimbledon now. And yet that was still his first ever Grand Slam win. Yeah, he looks like a professional player now. He doesn't look like a junior. He doesn't look like a junior making a transition to being a senior. He looks like a senior. Uh, he, he had his run uh, at Eastbourne, did really well, narrowly lost out to Maxime Cressy, and then came here and could very easily have been the one who ends up disappointing. And he didn't. He he just did a thoroughly professional job. He, we know he's got the tools, and then it's about applying them. And that's what he did. Very excited about his second round match against Alex de Menor. I think that's a mm. fascinating match. Oh yeah, good good contrast and yeah. roadrunner against a big hammer Thor player. Mm. I think oh, that'll get a big don't call. Don't rob it in for Berrettini, David. Sorry. That's his thing. He's already having a bad day. <laughs> He's lent him his hammer. Right. He lent Alex de Menor court one. <laughs> Today, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's been quite generous to the old Beratine, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, one last um, bum note to end on from the men's draw Grigor Dimitrov retired oh. mid match against Steve Johnson. And I suddenly, I suddenly had this feeling of, oh my god, Grigor Dimitrov's not even young anymore. You can't even go, oh, well, he'll have plenty more. I mean, he'll have more, but he won't have plenty more. I suddenly felt a bit sad about it. Anyway, He's in Steve the Johnson. Second half of his career, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, if not Twilight. Third, He's thirty-one, third. David. Maybe uh, we ain't that young anymore. No. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Some of us ain't. There's magic in the night, Grigor. That's it. Um, I set you up for that. <laughs> uh, Steve Johnson uh, through to play Ryan Peniston. In round number two, who is just one of the lovely, good vibe stories of the of the grass court summer, isn't he, Ryan Peniston? Mm. There's, look, it's a good good draw, Henry Larkson in first round, but he made the most of a, a good first round draw, which is you know what he's been doing, and he's just he's backing all this stuff up, which I'm so impressed by. And that's been the case for nine Brits into round two across the men's and women's singles, which is the most since 1997. And, you know, we had 17 players in the draw. None of them faced the seed. And, you know, nine of them have really taken advantage of that. So, yeah, been a good tournament for them. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. David, you started your day commentating on Katie Swan against Marta Kostiuk, who wasn't one of those those British winners. She came close, didn't she? Yeah. But um, I just I always find it impressive when I'm seeing Ukrainians win at the moment, particularly somebody like Marta Kostiuk, who's who's clearly you know bearing it all. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm quite sure they all are, but. I just feel like I can see it in Marta Kostiuk. You know, she again, she's somebody that sort of emotes somehow yeah, yeah. and yeah she's impressive impressive today you can feel it in in her tennis even point to point the mm. the the kind of massive fluctuations in how she's feeling and viewing things now uh, i i can't really remember watching that much of her a couple of years ago or three years ago to be able to compare but um yeah what was what was interesting i remember she came out onto the court because i was commentating on this and and there was a little bit of rain in the air, and she was having a really nice, open, polite conversation with the umpire before the match started, before Katie Swan arrived. And I thought, what a nice way to to, to begin whatever the next two hours are going to be like. And actually, they were pretty fraught, to be honest. But um, she showed that there's something to her beyond being a tennis player in that to me. And, mm. and the match was, was quite good. Katie Swan has got something, but... She she's never been inside the world's top one fifty, um, and it's it's going to take something else. You know, she she suffered a little bit physically out there today. She had a, a little bit of an injury, wrapped thigh, and she'd won the first set. She can play, but I, I, it's stringing it together, isn't it? In in tournaments that can get you high enough up that you don't have to go to all these futures and these ITF events. That's the problem. It's the age-old problem in tennis. Mm. You've got to find a way to get into these high-ranking tournaments to give yourself a chance. Mm. Simona Halep won today against Karolina Mukova, the cursed Karolina Mukova. Um. Yeah. Uh, and look, I, I know I know now that she, Simona Halep won the match and therefore must be okay. But she should have been open in that centre-court play. 
mm. today. Anna, and nothing against Igor Sviantek. We had the whole conversation the other day. If the doubts were about Halep's physical health, well, she banished them today. And I think she should have been given the honour. Well, of course, it was Igor Sviantek that was, was given the honour, opened up play with a six-love set over the Croat Jan Fett, and then got locked in a real tussle. I think she was 3-1 down in the second set, came back to win it 6-3, but she really went off the boil in that second set quite quite dramatically, actually, Matt. Yeah, she did. She was 3-1 down and loved 40 down in that game. So very close to falling a, a double breakdown, having already lost serve twice in that set. It was it was a bit odd how suddenly error-strewn her performance was after a really good first set. Um, I actually asked her in the press conference afterwards about the honour of opening centre court on the Tuesday in, in the Ash Barty slot in the in the spot reserved normally for the defending women's champion because obviously there's been a lot of talk about that um and she said that she felt like there were players who deserved it more than her um former champions in the draw she listed uh Kvitova she listed Halep and she listed Serena um but then she did also say that you know she also felt like she kind of deserved it as well because of her consistency and because of the run she's on and she is the number one but I don't think she felt totally comfortable with it I would say because her her first response was that there were players who maybe deserved it more than her I asked whether she'd thought about the fact that maybe she wanted to win Wimbledon first you know to properly earn that honour and, and she said no I, I haven't thought about it that way um, but yeah I've Look, it was it was it was nice seeing Sviontek there. I've just felt a little bit dissatisfied by how it's been handled mm. by Wimbledon. I just think that should have been for Simona Halep. I just think it was so obvious. Mm. And there might not ever be another chance to to give her that honour that that she earned and deserved. Uh, speaking of Kvitova, by the way, this might have been the slam, David, where you should have backed her. Oh, thanks a bunch. <laughs> she beat Jasmine Paolini today. There Just. A, there was a moment where she was behind, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah, sat down. Yeah. and But I think Petra Kvitova winning when she's not playing well is probably a very good yes, sign for that's, Petra Kvitova. Yeah. I, you don't know what you're going to get from her, though, do you? No. Oh, day to day. But I would say the same is probably true of Beatrice of Admire. <laughs> Oh, God, we're going to have a whole year of this, aren't we, Amor? <laughs> How long are we allowed to have of this, David? Surely no, David doesn't get give, to set that okay. rule. Give us two weeks. It is, the, it is the worst prediction I've ever made. We need to edit the worst prediction <laughs> show because I had never even seen her play before. I still mm. haven't. I just, I just went on the you results. didn't get a chance to see her play in this no. tournament that you'd predicted us. What was I well. thinking? Petra Kvitova, keep, keep it, she's your sliding doors scenario. Let's uh, let's keep an eye on her. Paula Badosa won three today, as did Maria Sakkari. They're sort of in the category of really high-ranked seeds that we're just not talking about because they've got no experience or pedigree on grass. But, you know, maybe at some point they'll learn. Maybe we'll see them learn before our very eyes this week. It's probably unfair to to discount them altogether. I, I think that that's going to be a bit of a feature of this fortnight. Mm. There are players that are going to make their names this fortnight. 
Name me some names. Well, I, I mean, I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Great, that's what that's what the people tune in for. Well, isn't actually, it? we haven't got onto the men's um, bottom half in the absence. I mean, I know we've talked about Nadal, but in the absence of Chilich and Berrettini in that bottom half, for instance, mm. I, and what a great chance for Sitsipas and Kyrgios and people like this who haven't done it yet. Oh, you and know? I missed out Sitsipas. He won today. You watched it, yeah, David. Yeah, and he wasn't great, to be honest. And actually, his opponent, who was ranked 188 in the world, Alexandra, Alexander Richard, he was superb. And it was his first ever match at either tour level or Grand Slam level in the main draw. Amazing. Wow. And uh, he'd qualified, and he had a loose right arm that was just whipping winners all over the place. He was out-hitting Sitsavas um, quite often. He was going to the net a lot. He he got back to two sets to one down. He made it really tight in the fourth. Sitsavas does have a problem on grass still. And and he's he's trying to develop this block return. You can see him, and sometimes he'll do this short arm stab, and it will work, and the ball will come off his strings like a rocket. But his slice just doesn't look natural. He tries to play it because you're supposed to play the slice, mm-hmm. but it's not a natural stroke at all. And uh, I watched it with Pat Cash on uh, on BBC TV, and and you know you can t- you can see what a fan of his Pat Cash is and how he. He wants him to figure grass out, and he thinks he's capable of it. But, well, he looked well short today. And I don't think it's impossible that he might be able to play his way into the tournament and and, and improve a lot. Because, uh, funny enough, at the same time, I was just keeping an, an eye on, the, uh, on a very, very small TV screen watching Nadal and looking how uncomfortable he looks on grass because they just aren't used to it yet. It's, it is... Great to watch people try to adjust, but just get to, getting back to the point, I think somebody's going to come through, maybe in both draws, and, and have a real chance of, of this being the moment. Coco Goff wobbled today, but found a way versus um, Gabriella Russa. Correct. Mm. Yes, and... It's very different to the Coco Goff matches I've watched recently, which obviously were in Paris, where she got through to the final without dropping a set, didn't she? And we were all commenting on just how much better she looked as a tennis player. And I think a lot of that probably was the clay. You know, that obviously she's she's grown as a player, but the clay is the surface which suits her game the most, probably at the moment. And today it was, it, I don't know, it sort of just went back to the roots a bit for Goff and it was more about her fight and her attitude which was just impeccable throughout because she wasn't playing that well and yet she fought so hard she was so determined not to lose this match she was creating so many chances and not taking them she had 25 break points and only took four of them in the match Russo had some chances late on really did yeah What, what sort of player is she? Well, she looks and sounds a lot like Simona Halep. <laughs> you know, she's also from Romania. You can you can close your eyes and just hear her hit the ball and yeah, Matt's, the Matt's pitch said, of her grunt cl- is the same as Halep. Close your eyes, Catherine. You, you, you can imagine it's Simona Halep. Like, I can just watch Simona Halep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't spoil it, Catherine. <laughs> he was trying to create an image. He was excited about it. But even her stroke production is is quite similar. I think. Look, maybe I'm I'm you know drawing too much of a comparison just because they're from the same country. But I I really do stand by it. Um, game style wise, I'd say she looks to be more aggressive. Um, and, and again, she's. She's got a really good attitude as well. They sort of bounced off each other in that way, I suppose. Absolutely titanic game at five all in in the third set, which Goff ended up um, ended up winning on on you know on multiple breakpoint chances came and went. She eventually took one and then and then served it out. Um, but yeah, it's it's a big big win for Goff because. You know her, her expectations have changed now. I think in in tournaments like this, it would have been it would have been a bad loss if she'd gone out in round one. Even though she didn't have her best best tennis today, she fought through. And then, you know, I don't necessarily need to need to go into the details, but she was an absolute joy again in the press conference. Oh. Just so mature, so grown up, so thoughtful, considered, taking on all sorts of topics. Just, just fabulous. The quote that I picked out, just because it was such a contrast to to Nick Kyrgios, um, was about sort of the haters that she gets online and elsewhere. The sort of, and, and in particular, the brand of haters that tell her to stick to tennis. You know, stop mm. talking about other things that that matter. Stick to tennis, and she says they motivate her to play better. She, quote: I like to win, just to put that in their faces. <laughs> And uh, I love that energy very, very much yes. indeed. Uh, Barbora Krachikova won today against Marina Zanevska. Um, I've, in- I've included that because just any win feels like a big win for Krachikova at the moment. And I feel like she's somebody that should be able to do well on grass. Yeah. She's rebuilding, isn't she? And, and rebuilding confidence physicality the the robustness you need on tour having had several months away from it and she looks so sad in in Paris and I just and she obviously got COVID then straight off the back of the the loss there and and I just um yeah I hope she has good times ahead again because I think if you've if you've scaled the mountain the way she did and if you if you come back down it, it might be quite hard to take, really, mm. and, and I don't, I don't want that to be her. Matt doesn't hope there's good times ahead because she plays Golubich next. Victoria Golubich, who is on the backhand list. Too right, she is. <laughs> yeah, with, 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 with it, justification. Remind me, fair. the backhand list isn't. It's not ordered, right? It's just a nebulous. No, it is ordered. I think. Oh, okay, where's Golubich? What number is she? I think I think she's number three. Uh-huh. Wow. Beh- I mean, a long way behind Amanda Nisimova, who won today, and uh, very very close to Anna Bogdan, who won today. It's been a oh. good day for the backhand <laughs> list. They'll, they'll be delighted. <laughs> um, there was a very emotional uh, Heather Watson on court one today. It was a, a resumed match. Uh, from last night was called off because of poor light. She she in, she beat Tamara Korpach in the end. And she just she just got really emotional afterwards, and it was all very relatable stuff. You know, she said she said I don't know why I'm so emotional. Just it's been it's been a really tough few years, and you know, I didn't know if I'd get moments like this, and this means a lot. And you know, that's a that's an important message, I think. What about tomorrow's order of play? Well. 
Centre court is looking dreamy tomorrow. Novak Djokovic against the Nasi Kokinakis first up at one thirty. Then Caroline Garcia faces. Uh, uh, oh, I almost forgot Emma Adekani's first name. Then <laughs> it's been a long day. It, it really is late, folks. I tell you, <laughs> Emma Raducanu, and then Andy Murray against John Isner. Amusingly, David hasn't been given that match. I think they've almost deliberately not given it me so that they can prove to you that they don't just put me on tall people. Yeah. Neither Djokovic nor Kokonakis are that tall, are they? They're missing missing a trick there, BBC Five Live, I'd say. (laughs) Court one is uh, Jules Niemeyer against Annette Contevate. The resumption of Karolina Pliskova against Teresa Martinsova, that was called off with Pliskova leading by a set, five all in the second. Uh, then Cam Norrie against Jama Munar, and finally Maria Sakkari up against Victoria Tomova of Bulgaria. Uh, and Bear against Rude is on court two. Uh, Angelique Kerber against Magda Lynette. Tricky. Tricky. Talon Greeksport, um, correction here. I said that Fanini beat Greeksport yesterday, and it would be Fanini that Alcaraz faces, but uh, evidently it was Greeksport that beat Fanini, and Alcaraz now plays Greeksport. If the ultimate tennis showdown ever happened again, um, Magdalene would have a, a sort of tricky as her nickname, wasn't she? And the song is tricky. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. Mm. I, I, you forgot that I'd existed. I ultimate tennis showdown from my memory. <laughs> you can do it There's again. No now, need Matt. to bring up that that trauma so late at night. David. That's it. Be happening again. So uh, don't Heather worry Watson's about it. back tomorrow against Chong Wong on uh, on court two. That's where I was, isn't it? Court two. Uh, Ostapenko's on court three. Yannick Sinner on Jabur downgraded to court three tomorrow. Ryan Penniston against Steve Johnson kicks things off Who's over there. Who's Jabur playing? Uh, I've just closed the app, David. Thanks for that. Uh, she's plays, She's playing... Oh, thanks again. She's playing somebody's first name, I don't know, so I'm going to have to click on her. Hang on, bear with me. She's playing a 29-year-old Katarzyna Kawa oh. from Poland. Okay. And when I, when I see a name I don't know, I just assume they're sort of an up-and-comer. She's 29. Mm. 132 in the world. Uh, right-handed. Um, from Poland. I know, I know what you Birthday mean, Birthday 17th of November. Alexander Richard was, uh, is, is 28. You know. Is <laughs> he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, 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 spent, uh, he spent four years in... Virginia University uh, playing winning NCAA tennis um, but I mean it's so difficult isn't it to know but just on the basis of what I saw today you think this guy has got a future you know and, and given players are playing into the mid to late 30s these days you know he's he's a top 100 player at least Quick update for you on attendance before we go. Obviously, that was something we talked about yesterday. We've been inundated with correspondence. So thank you ever so much for for people with theories about why attendance is down. It's significantly less down today. It was about 39,000. So about 3,000 up on yesterday, which is... You know that that's that's a lot. That's what eight eight or nine percent increase. Still a bit down on previous years, but 
but maybe maybe word is spreading i don't know a F- few theories we've had about why it could be i mean covid is a big one two two different angles on that number one you know covid fear again cases are rising there's this new omicron four and five i think and number two about one in 30 people have covid in this country at the moment i mean that's and I, I suspect it's more in London than elsewhere. Usually tends to be at the start of the wave. So maybe it's that. Maybe that's a lot of ticket holders aren't able to come. Um, cost of living certainly um, a factor that's been that's been put forward consistently. Um, difficulty with transferring tickets um, and the fact that there's been rollover from the pandemic year 2020. They did something different in 2020. One, because of the reduced capacities, there's a lot of rollover from 2020. So that might be that might be complicating things. Were there any other significant um, suggestions? I don't think so for now. But look, we'll keep an eye on it. Thank you. If you've got uh, any other input, then um, then do send it through. Um, but for now, I think we'll just say thank you to Willow, our lovely, lovely Wimbledon mascot. Rafe Willow. Hooray for Willow. Darwin, hooray for, for Darwin, David. Dar- Darwin's disowned me. Mm. Don't blame him. Understandable. Carter, we're yet to score on the newsletter predictions, but so we're not hitting Hail Mary territory yet, Carter, don't worry. It's very important not to panic after a slow start. That's what I've learned from the great champions. Uh, the dearly departed Gerald has got Matt on his side. Yes, Ilya Tomjanovic. Came in with not many points, but some today. They're all points, Matt. They're mm. all points. Chris Albert Lee and Kyle Weingartner are ex- are executive producers and top blokes. And Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss are the sponsors of Billie Jean K9. He'll be back with us on Friday. Oh, Who are our shout outs for, Matt? We have Natalie Doyle. All right, Natalie. Oh. Natalie is half Portuguese. Uh, but lives in London. Like Natalie Tozier, coach of Harmony Tan. Is she really? I didn't yes. Know. That's interesting. Yeah. And also, um, there was Natalie Deshi. Mm. Remember, remember her? I mean, she, she was somebody I commentated on in one of my first big matches on Five Live up against Andrew Ivanovich many moons ago. Um, well, Natalie, thank you ever so much for your support. We also have... Vince Senek, who was one of our newsletter predictions competitors during Roll on Garros. How did he do? Mid-table, I think. He didn't beat me. Respectable. Can't remember. I think he probably did. Vince, (laughs) like (laughs) Vince Spadia of longest losing streak in tennis history fame. Yeah, and I mean, he definitely was. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, Vince. If he wasn't, he should have been. Thanks for supporting us and being our friend. Thank you, Vince. And the last one today is for Niall and Janice. And that is a shout out from Regina, Mike and Tom. This is because Niall and Janice are getting married on Friday. Hey, congratulations. They're getting married in Mallorca. There's a week of wedding fun happening as we speak. And I'm told that Niall is the biggest Marat Safin fan imaginable and a huge promoter and fan of the podcast. Oh, and I, and I believe that is absolutely correct because 
Niall has been getting the rest of the family into the podcast. So a big thank you to Niall. You know what it's all about. And uh, yeah, everybody else follow Niall's lead, I say. How's Niall been getting his kicks since Marit Safin's retirement just, in the late noughties? a lot of YouTube, I think. <laughs> yeah. Niall is spending a lot of time on YouTube. Good luck, Janice. <laughs> <laughs> and congratulations. Good luck and congratulations to you both. That's, uh, that's really lovely. So um hope you're having a wonderful time in Mallorca. And I hope you have a wonderful life together. Yeah. Sounds weird saying have a wonderful life, doesn't it? But do have one. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for being such wonderful supporters of the Tennis Podcast, of which there will be another from Wimbledon tomorrow. Subscribe to the newsletter in the meantime to get an extra hit of Tennis Podcast fun. If you'd like to become a friend and listen to our Tennis Podcast, our Wimbledon relived episodes, two of them recorded in the build-up to this tournament, then the link to do so is in our show notes. You can get yourself an intro. You can get yourself a shout out. Uh, what else? Can we mention the fact that we were in the New York Times today? I, I keep mentioning it because I will then start to believe it after a while. Mm. I mean, it's, We were in the New York Times today, folks. I mean, a, we were on the homepage. We were top of the homepage. <laughs> I, I think time. there was some sort of clerical error, quite honestly. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, we were there. Or some kind of tennis fan. Yes, like like the Arranging bloke that wrote Manchester page. United are rubbish on the uh, <laughs> yeah. on the BBC ticker tape. Yeah, so he's like, I, I know what's a really important story for New York Times mm. readers. Mm. I mean, it's it's not like the world you know, These on... are slow news days in the United States. Right. The world's on fire around <laughs> us on the fr- on yeah. the front page, and then there we are. We were the. We were basically the in other news, or on a lighter note. Um, yeah, we were the, you know, cat gets stuck in cat flap story. <laughs> um, but we were delighted to be just that, honestly, thanks to uh, to Matt Futterman, who's uh, a listener to this, and that was the, the genesis of him writing about us for the New York Times, and we are utterly bowled over. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll never get bored of knowing that we were... Um, we were, yeah, top of the New York Times homepage, surrounded by news of the uh, the January 6th insurrection. What is life? Um, thank you for listening and for supporting us and for being friends of the pod and for making this happen and, by extension, getting us onto the homepage of the New York Times. It is a pleasure, a joy and a privilege and we'll be back with you tomorrow. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 